Uh, we're on a series of lessons. This is our last installment today. We've got a cute little, little slide there for you, how we can make our church great. We, we've been saying this for the last six weeks. This will be our sixth installment, and we'll be going a couple different directions the next couple weeks leading up to Easter. But, but I really believe that uh, we have a great church. I mean, as Brittany said earlier, it was demonstrated even in this last, like we had a funeral here at the church yesterday from a, a gentleman that was in a, just a, a bad motorcycle accident. Blake Matheson went home to be with the Lord uh, a couple of weeks ago. And so we did the memorial service yesterday. And the church just rises up. I mean, we just got great people going above and beyond, giving money. We were able to give them because of you, able to give Arlene a really good substantial check that's going to help her navigate and pay off some bills and some stuff that she needs. And, and people just... just go above and beyond you know, hospitals and just seeing people and visiting and making food. And, and so come on, just give it up. Come on, give a good hand clap for an amazing, amazing church. Yeah. So thank you for everybody that's been a part of that and just continue to do life. You know, there's stuff that goes on in the church that never makes it to my ears. But how many know that God sees every single thing that we do? And so listen to me, there's always reward for serving God. You can't outserve God. It's like God, God is, the scripture says, he's not unjust to forget your work and labor of love that you showed toward his name in the way you minister to people. He's going to keep on remembering and he's going to keep on feeding you with everything you need full of so you can keep doing what he wants you to do. Amen, everybody? Yeah, so I'm just really kind of kind of keen on how we can have keep having a great church because I, if you, if you've been around the world a little bit, you you know that there have been great businesses that are no longer great businesses. You can probably know people that had a great marriage that are now divorced and no longer have a great marriage. You know, kids that were on a trajectory in education, and man, they, they come on, they were the cat's meow. They, they were smart. They were moving forward. But, but they're no longer really sort of smart now. They've turned and, and started drinking the dumb Kool-Aid, and their, their life and their lifestyle has just turned dumb. Well, I, we got a great church, and I don't ever want it to turn. I want it to keep on becoming great, and I can find scripture that's going to ensure how we can keep being great. Come on, hey, hey, that's where we've been. So let's go one more time here as we button everything up in, in, in where we're going in the, in the, you know, today and just kind of tie it all up. Here we are. Matthew chapter 22, a guy comes to Jesus and, and he asks Jesus, teacher, that's the teacher Jesus, which is the great commandment in the law. What's the greatest thing in the law, the word of God in the Old Testament says? Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he goes on and says, this is the first and the great commandment. Notice that, the great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus just said, hey, the guy asked him this great question. Jesus didn't hesitate. He didn't kind of stumble. He just said, you need to love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind. Mark actually says, and strength. Everything you do, let your power, your strength be behind it. And then he says, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. So we talked about that first couple of weeks. If we're going to be a great church, which we are a great church, we got to just keep our, our, our love going towards God. Let it keep going uh, a vertical. Keep, keep loving God more and more. And then he said, it doesn't end there. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. People that don't look like you. People don't talk like you. People who aren't, you know, in, in your, your, your fab five on your phone. They're, they're not on your fast dial. You need to love your neighbor. Everybody come in contact with Jesus said is your neighbor. People don't look like you. 
People don't talk like you. People who aren't on the same side of the tracks as you. We don't look down. We don't criticize. We don't condemn. We are to love them with the very same love that God has loved us. Can I get an amen? amen? We said that this is how we worship God. Worship isn't what just happened with four songs and an encouragement for me as we pray. We call it praise and worship because it draws our attention to God. But worship is what we do with our entire life. How we love God and we love others, really, we said this is how we worship. Not a Sunday thing. An everyday thing. Amen, everybody? But it doesn't stop there. Because we found out from Matthew chapter 28, we'll go there right now, and then also we looked at, we, we, I talked about it from Mark 16, because it's summarizing the same thing that these two gospel writers wrote about. And, and the headline of it will say in your Bible, the Great Commission. So we have a great commandment, love God, love others, but now we've got a great commission that Jesus gave us that will ensure that we have a great church. If we'll do the great commandment and we'll do the great commission, we will be people individually that are great, moving in a great direction, but we collectively will be a great church. We might not be the biggest church, and that's okay. We not, might not have the biggest footprint in the city, meaning property. That's okay. But how many know you can go to a little restaurant somewhere, and it serves great food? And guess what? A lot of times you don't want anybody to know about it because it's so great. You don't want to tweet about it. I'm just kidding. Come on. We want our church to grow, and I think we should keep growing. Growth is the will of God. We'll talk about it. But, but just to be the largest, the best, the great, have the biggest budget, the biggest building, I'm not down with that. I think it's amazing. We need all kinds of churches. Come on. We need some Walmarts. Then we need some mom and pops. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. So, so it's not about numbers. It's, it's not about all those statistics that the world looks at. It's about the great people that are in here. And I'm looking at a bunch of great people. Amen. Come on, that's a good place to clap right there. Yeah. So here's what Jesus says in, in, in Matthew chapter 28. Let's look at this. And Jesus came and spoke to them and he said, All authority, this is after the resurrection. He's saying these last words with his disciples. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And he tells this, go therefore, go, go, get out of town, <laughs> come on, go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So we said the last three weeks, or three weeks ago, this will be that last installment, for us to be a people that commit and fulfill this thing called the Great Commission, we have to be committed to these last three things. We're going to love God, we're going to love people, but we've, that's our worship, but we've got to be committed to these last three things. Number one, we said three weeks ago that we've got to be committed to evangelism. Evangelism. Evangelism means what we just read there, go into all the world. We need to go into all the world. The world you live in. You need to go to your neighbors. You need to go to your coworkers. You need to go to your friends and your family, the places you frequent. And you need to be salt and light to them. You need to be open to what is going on in their life. Their pains, their struggles, their hurts, their disappointments, their fears about what's going on in their marriage with their kids, with the economy and Putin and Democrats and Republicans and liberals and guns and no guns and whatever's going on. You need to be used by God to bring Jesus into their world. 
You need to be a person, I need to be a person that has my spiritual antenna up every day, wherever I go, in the places I frequent, to, to sense God talking to me to talk to them. Don't pull back. Don't wonder. Jesus told the disciples, don't even consider what you're going to say when you get there. Because when you get into that environment, I'm going to give you some words to speak. Come on, everybody. That's just good news. So the first thing we talked about is we need to be committed to evangelism. Just going and, and letting the light that God shined in our heart to be a blessing to somebody else. It, it'll, be, it'll be planting seed, like we said a moment ago. It will be then harvesting seed, meaning we actually get to pray for somebody to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Then we said last week, we need to be people, if we're going to have a great church, people that are committed to fellowship. Here's the beginning of fellowship. Jesus said, you need to go, and when you go and you evangelize, people need to be baptized. Water baptized, they need to be baptized into the body of Christ. Baptism, as Brittany said a moment ago, is an outward show of an inward work. Baptism is the beginning of fellowship. Baptism says, I'm one of you. Baptism says, I want to serve. Baptism says, this is my brothers and sisters. This is my tribe. These are my people up in here. I want to do life with you. Baptism isn't just a ritual. Baptism isn't a tradition. Baptism doesn't cause you to be saved praying to the Father God in the name of Jesus, confessing your sin and repenting, changing your mind and changing your direction saves you. But baptism says, I'm coming out of the closet. Come on, I'm making my public display of who Jesus is. Then now he's my, I still got a mess in my life. I still got some hangups in my life, but I know he's going to work with me through it all. Come on, somebody. Amen. Yeah, that's what baptism is. But it doesn't end there. There's one more, and here's where it gets a little bit tough. The last thing that Jesus said is that if you're going to have a great church, if you're going to fill the great commission, even though you're listening to the great commandment, you've got to be committed to discipleship. He said, you need to make disciples of all nations. You need to teach them to observe, he went on to say, everything that I've commanded you. You need to teach them to observe what I have said. It's not enough. It's not enough to go into all the world and talk to people about Jesus it's not enough to just be water baptized and go, these are, my, these are my people up in here. I've got to be a person, singularly. We've got to be a group of folks, collectively, that say we all are committed to personal and corporate growth and change. I don't want to stay the same. It doesn't mean I'm going to change when we'll talk about it. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm going, to, I'm going to flow in and flow out of whatever the cultural norm is. No, we've got to be people that are disciples of Jesus and are committed to what God's word says. Here's what a disciple is. Let's look at a quick definition. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. A disciple is one who is committed to the teaching of another. We're students, always going to be students. You're never going to out-student yourself. 
You need to be a perpetual learner, a perpetual grower. I think we ought to keep reading. I think we ought to keep studying. I think we ought to keep listening to YouTube videos of great preachers that you like. But, of course, I'm at the top of the list. I know that. But... You, yeah, come on. No, 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 no. Uh, we need to be a little bit more well-balanced than just listening to me. Come on. I'll give you my perspective, but that's thank God we can listen to others in the body of Christ. Amen. Come on. How many of y'all got some favorite preachers, some people that just crank you? Come on. Yeah, good, good. Uh, so, so, so we need to be people that are committed to discipleship. So let's just dig down a little bit deeper with that for the rest of the time that we have with you to get uh, today. That, that when you look at, if you looked at what discipleship is, you know, from different people, you probably find five or six or seven or eight different things. I just boiled it down to three things this morning for us just to chew on and then move on to a couple things before we close at the end of the service here. A, a disciple of, of Jesus is, number one, going to be committed to this. They're going to adhere to the teaching of Jesus and the New Testament writers. So if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus... The teachings, what Jesus said in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and what we find out in the book of Acts and going all the way through the book of Revelation, that that is going to be your meat and potatoes. Listen to me. This is what you're going to feast on. This is what you're going to read. This is what you're going to meditate on. This is what you're going to think on. And, and you might be saying, even as Brittany said a moment ago, it doesn't mean you're not going to read Proverbs. It doesn't mean you're not going to read Psalms. It doesn't mean you're not going to know the stories in the Old Testament. That's not what I'm saying. But those will be add-ons to you since you are now a New Testament believer. You're going to get your meat and potatoes day in and day out with the red letters of Jesus and what the New Testament says, what the Apostle Paul says, what Peter says, what Jude says, what James says, what John says, that is going to be your bread and your butter. A, a disciple of Jesus is that their life and their lifestyle is going to then begin to mimic what's written. There's not going to be any disconnect. If this is what it says, my life, my lifestyle is going to mimic that. I, I am going to mirror what the word of God says. It's not going to be something again that, that God forbid that we're the Sunday go to meeting people and that when we show up at the Monday morning go to work people, we're a different kind of people. Mm -mm. We're going to mimic, we're going to mirror what Jesus said on Sunday and then we're going to actually do it on a Monday. Can I get an amen in the room? A disciple just doesn't agree with the word. They actively do the word. Listen, a disciple doesn't pick and choose. This isn't cafeteria Christianity. When I was growing up as a kid at, in Johnson City, Tennessee, what we did growing up, uh, uh, maybe some of y'all did if you've been in church for a minute or two, uh, on Sunday, on Sunday, and we got some couples that, like Mario and Tina, every Sunday, y'all go to Murrieta's, is that right? Almost, almost every Sunday. So come on, if you're going to go to Murrieta, you're going to see him over there every Sunday. Uh, 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 when I was a kid growing up, it would always be, we would go to the cafeteria. That was big in the south. 
because you know what a cafeteria is, don't you? You got that little tray, and you go down there, and all the food's there, and, and you get to pick whatever you want to pick, and you put it on. How many we got two tray people? Come on, you can't get it on one tray. You got to scoot a couple of trays down that little line. And, and, and that is not that is not the picture of what you need to be as a New Testament disciple. You don't get to pick and choose. God told you what we're eating. Come on, we're going to eat the Word of God. Come on, everybody. We're going to feast on the Word of God. Uh, so so, so we've we got to be careful that we, we're not people that pick and choose. Uh, a disciple is going to take the teachings they hear as a rule of conduct. The, the, here is my rule of life. Here, here's what, here is what is written. Here is what Jesus said. Here is what the New Testament writers say. So now, this is my rule of life. This is my rule of conduct. This is what a disciple is. Uh, secondly, a disciple is going to use their influence. They're going to use their influence to reach people far away from God. A disciple doesn't say, well, well, evangelism is for the people that really kind of got that gift and grace. Uh, they're they're going to they're uh, be like high-test Christians, if you will. They're going to be the ones that it just comes easy to. But every one of us are to, are to use our, our grace, our talent, our ability, and our influence to reach people that are far away from God. A disciple of Jesus is going to take uh, take the, 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 take the pill, if you will, to say, God changed my life, and now I'm going to be used by him to change the people around me. If I'm in school, if I'm in university, if I'm a high school student, if I'm a worker, if, uh, God's going to use my, 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 my pain. God's going to use my wins. He's going to use my entire life that, that, that I'm going through right now where I have been to, to, to help somebody, to bless somebody, to give a word to, to a person that's weary, and it's going to share my faith with them to let them see who Jesus is in a very real and a, po a positive way. Uh, the disciple is going to put, again, evangelism at one of the top tier things that we do after we listen to the word of God. I've got to share what I know with somebody else. It's not good enough for me to know it. I love people enough to want to share with them the good news. I believe people are really hungry and people are desirous to want to know, how, do you, how did you go through what you went through and you, you're still okay? You got some peace in your life. People really want to know. So listen, uh, use your testimony to tell people how good God's been to you. Can I get an amen in the room? Yeah. Because really, let's just think about it. If the people that are around you Listen, just think for a moment. As crazy as your family is, don't you want your family going to heaven rather than going to hell? Really? And I mean, I know that, I know that lady at that little cubicle next to you. She kind of irks a little bit, and she's got her little OCD thing going around or whatever. Like, but, but listen, don't you really want them going to heaven? Yeah. So that's got to burn in us because, listen, the, 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 the disciple knows the consequences of me not opening my mouth and sharing with them are eternal consequences. And so, so we've got we've to be people that, that take this re responsibility just, just very seriously. A disciple does that. 
And then just lastly, before we move on, is that, is that I really believe this, is that a disciple just continually grows. We kind of said it already, but just, just continually grows more and more like Jesus in Christian disciplines. Just, you're, you're continually growing. You're not saying, I, I've got some peace and, and that's enough. No, I want to be a person that can actually sleep in the storm in the bow of a boat like Jesus. I don't want to freak out. I want to be a person that no matter what's going on, great peace is in my life. I want to be a person that when all hell's breaking loose, you ain't going to know it because I got joy on the inside of me. And I know God's going to get me through it. Come on, everybody. I want to be the person that I'm gentle and I'm kind when the crazy Karen is going off at me at the cash register. How many of y'all know you need the fruit of the Spirit on the highway in San Diego? Yeah, you do. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Come on. There's a lot of road rage going on. Let it not be named among the believer. Come on, somebody. But a, but a, but a disciple is just going to continually grow more and more like Jesus in Christian disciplines. They're, they're, gonna, they're, they're committed to growth in every area of your life. And so when you hear something, when you read something that kind of ticks you off a little bit, how many of you know God might try, be trying to shave off some flesh or carnality in you and me so that we would actually continue to grow? Yeah, yeah. So the disciples just taking becoming like Jesus more and more serious. You know, years ago, the, the, the bracelets came out, the T-shirts came out, the bumper stickers came out, WWJD. Come on, somebody, help me out. What would Jesus do? How many of y'all, we might need to bring that thing back, right? Come on, in every situation, you just stop, you just pump the brakes a little bit and just go, I'm about to just choke somebody out. But what would Jesus do? I'm about to give somebody a piece of my mind till I know that that was the last piece I had. But what would Jesus do? Come on, somebody. Come on. <laughs> Come on, just pump the brakes. I'm a, I'm a disciple. I'm a disciple. What would Jesus do up in here? There's a great scripture. I want to give it to you in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Let me read it from this new translation, this new century version in Acts 17, verse 11. Here's what it says. Paul's preaching everywhere. You know that in the book of Acts. It shows his and Peter's preaching from city to city. And as he's preaching in the city, it says this. These people in the city he's at were more willing to listen than the people in Thessalonica. The area is called Berea. So check it out. There are actually people in different places, there are actually people in the same church that are more willing to listen than other people. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter your Bible education or lack thereof. You can choose every day, I'm going to listen or I'm not going to listen. He says these people were more willing to listen than the people in Thessalonica. The Bereans, how did they get more willing? The Bereans were eager to hear what Paul and Silas said and studied the scriptures every day to find out 
if these things were true. These Bereans were truth seekers. I want to know what the truth is. And if the truth hits me between the head and says, Gary, you've been believing a lie. The Bereans said, bring it on. We want the truth. We're going to study the truth. We're eager for the truth. We're willing for the truth. We're willing to listen to the truth. We're not people that say we got our minds all made up. We don't have nothing made up unless it's already made up in the Word of God. To be a disciple, you've got to be a Berean Christian. You've got to be more willing to listen, judge yourself, than anybody else. You've got to be open. You've got to be eager. Listen, can I, can I, can I tell you something? Let me just kind of stop and kind of give you a, the pastoral tip for a second. What I say or anybody says on a Sunday morning, what's going on in the room, there are people who say, this is the greatest church and the greatest preaching I've ever heard in my life. And there, are, there could be people that go, what, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me, what the hell is going on? This is crazy. This is brutal. Who's that idiot up there? Let's be real. Let's be real. Listen to me. If you are willing to listen, if you are eager to hear, if you will then take what is said here and you will begin studying it during the week, you are going to start having the truth of God's word work in you more and more and more. And more. Not because of me. This isn't me thing. This is in every church. This is in every church that's preaching the gospel. So you and I should be, listen to me, this is going to freak you out. You should be able to go to the Catholic church whether you believe in the Catholic church or not. As soon as the Catholic priest stands up there and he reads the word, you should be going, whoo, that's the word of God right there. That's the word of God right there. You should be able to go to the Jewish synagogue. And as they read out and break out the Torah, you go, whoo, that's the word of God right up in here. That is the truth right there. Because you are open and you are eager, and you have already yourself studied the scripture, and that is just, come on, adding the icing to your cake. Somebody say amen, amen, amen. So I just say this in conclusion to this before we button this up and go to something else, is that there is no discipleship unless you listen, study, and search the scriptures. For you to be a great Christian, for us to have a great church. We have to listen to the word. We have to then remember what happened during the week. Okay, what, what, I, I got to write some notes. Come on, I'm a note taker. Some of us encourage you. When you come to church, get out your phone, take some notes, bring a piece of paper, bring a pa and write some stuff down because you're going to forget it by the time you get out of here. You need to listen, you need to study, and then you need to search the scriptures yourself. Paul said, these guys were more willing to listen than the other church. These guys were eager. These guys were studying the scriptures. These guys were doing it every day. They studied it every day. What's your routine for the word of God? You got a routine? If you don't, you need one in 2022. When are, your, when are, when are you most alive 
When, 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 is your, when is your mind alive? For me, it can't be at night. Because listen to me, I get up early. That's when I'm most alive. So I want to give that time to God where he can talk to me. Where, he, where he, can, he can download to me from the scriptures what I need. Come on, by, by 8.30 at night, you call me at 8.30 at night, I'll probably sleep while I'm talking to you on the phone. I'm like going out. I'm like getting ready to bed down like a deer under a tree. Come on. I, I'm, I put my, when I put my head on the pillow, I am O-U-T out. It is no more thinking. I am gone. Sweet Jesus, come take me to heaven. Come on, everybody. I'm like gone. But in the morning, I'm alive. I'm awake. Kimberly will say, as soon as, as, soon as I wake up in the morning, if I'm not care, I start shaking her. I start having some things to say. She's like, leave me alone. Get out. Go, go talk to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah. So, so what, I, what I found, though, in, during this whole COVID season is, is that um, a couple things. That if our spiritual growth and our spiritual discipline doesn't result in more love for God and love for our neighbor, you're really not growing as a disciple. You're just becoming a mean Christian. And so what I've seen in COVID and what I've seen in the last couple of election cycles um, and what I've seen my whole Christian life is that people who leave the daily discipline of the Word of God get flaky. Get flaky. So just work with me as I work out my own salvation here for a second. People who leave the Word and follow the direction of cultural thought and ideologies you're going to get flaky. People who leave the word and follow a certain political party like it's equivalent with Jesus get flaky. People who leave the word and follow and follow someone else's personal prophecy get flaky. I turn on every now and again some YouTube from some stuff, from some Christian stuff that happened the last couple, several years, and I'm going, you have got to be kidding me. Who believes this malarkey? And I don't even know what malarkey means. <laughs> I don't know. My grandma said it. I just know it's a word. That's all. So let me give it to you. This is just me. Now, this is just me. Now, now you, you, you figure it out yourself. If it's not written in the Bible, if it's questionable, if it goes against what the church teaches, if it's against sound doctrine, leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Here's what I have found out, is that deception can happen to anybody. You leave the word, that's the first step away from God and being deceived. First Peter chapter 2. Come on, get ready to land the plane in a few minutes here. Stay with me. First Peter chapter 2, verse 11 through 12. We're just circling the airport right now. Come on. We're just circling the airport. We're trying to land. First Peter 2, verse 11 and 12. Peter writes this. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. The Bible says this is who you and I are. We don't live here. We don't we own a home here or whatever you got here, a condo, whatever you're renting here. But I need to look at my life on the earth as this is my temporary resident. I am a foreigner. I don't belong here. 
He says, keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very soul. There is a war going against your soul every single day because you don't belong here forever. Be careful. Be careful then, foreigners, sojourners, temporary residents, to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Why? Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior, and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. So Peter is writing, and he says, guys, as a disciple, you've got to back off from what everybody does. You've got to not get sway. You, you, you can't live under the undercurrent of where the world's going and what the world's doing and the values of the world. There's got to be something deeper in your life. The disciple realizes this isn't my only home. I'm living for heaven. A disciple realizes every day I get up, there is going to be a war against my soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, my intellect, what I hold dear, the values I hold dear from the word of God. There is going to be a fight. There's going to be a struggle. There's going to be a war where the enemy is going to try to pull that out of me, going to try to lead me down a path that will be unproductive, going to try to ruin my reputation. Come on, listen, you're one tweet away from doing something stupid. You're one, come on, you're, you're just one take down or to a street that, that, that where you used to go to, to, to going back to an old lifestyle. You got to guard yourself. A disciple says, I've got to guard myself. Come on, the disciple says, I, I, I'm a farmer. I'm planting seed for the long haul. A disciple says, I'm a soldier. I'm in a battle every single day. I got to know that. I, because if I don't know that, then I just go through life and I wind up getting picked off and not even know I'm picked off because I'm so deceived. Wow. The Word of God has got to be the final authority for a disciple. What I feel, what I sense, the worldly pressures, what my friends say, what my family says, what my favorite newscast says, never is going to alter or change the word for a disciple. Can somebody help me with a bigger and better amen? Yeah. In John 15, let's land the plane. In John 15, Jesus gives us the progression and the lifestyle of a, of a believer. I won't read it all, but he says this. He says, the believer, this is you and me, this is those who make Jesus the Lord of your life, and if you're, if you're not in that group today and you want to be, we'll pray in just a couple of minutes at the end of the service, and you can give your heart to Jesus. It doesn't mean you're any less than us. It just means you're believing something that might not be true online as well. Jesus said the, the progression and the lifestyle of a disciple is this. A disciple is going to bear fruit. He says, you're going to have more fruit. He says, you're going to have much fruit. And he says, your fruit is going to remain. Fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and your fruit is going to remain. There's going to be a continual life of growth and stability and strength and nurturing, not only for your life, but for other people as well. Jesus says in John 15, let's read a couple of verses starting in verse 5. I am the vine, Jesus says, 
you are the branches. He who abides in me. One translation says, abides vitally united to me. And I'm abiding in him. You're going to bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Do nothing of eternal value is what he's saying. If anyone does not abide in me, you don't stay connected with me, he is going to be cast out as a branch, and here's where your life will look like. You will become withered. You might be live on the outside, but you'll be dead on the inside. And they're going to gather them, those branches that have become withered, and they're going to throw them into the fire, and they're going to be burned. He says, if you abide in me and my words, here we go again. A disciple's committed to the word. The words abide in you. You're going to ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be, come on, read those last two words, my disciples. The Father God is glorified when you and I keep bearing the fruit of our eternal salvation. This is what he tells us. There's no real life apart from Jesus. He says you've got to stay connected to the vine. If you stay connected as a branch to the vine, there will be a continual flow of life. What's really interesting about this, uh, about this, uh, this scripture and this analogy that Jesus says and brings uh, to the, you know, remember when you're reading this, it's, it's in the Gospels and Jesus is going from place to place and, and he probably, probably saw a vine and some fruit and you know, grapes growing on it and he, he just used that as, as an illustration. And, and there, there is no fruit that's produced on the vine. The fruit is produced on the branch. But there are, there, it's impossible for the branch to produce anything unless it stays vitally united to the vine. And so there will always be a contention and there will always be a tactic of the enemy to get you severed from your life source. That would be Jesus number one, but that would also be a church. That would also be good godly friends that the enemy will try to sever you to cause your life to be withered and shriveled up, dried up, having no roots and no longer producing any kind of eternal fruit. Now what's interesting about fruit as well is that all throughout the scriptures we find out, even in Galatians 5, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit isn't necessarily for you. The fruit is in you. The fruit is for other people to enjoy. God wants your life to be a life source to people who need what you carry. The disciple is carrying eternal life. The disciple is carrying hope to a hopeless society. The, 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 the disciple is carrying the ability to, to break free from addiction because they used to be addicted, but now they can be a life source of hope and encouragement and strength and, 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 and belief and holding up the arms of somebody who are battling through something, something crazy. The, the, the vine gives life to the branches. The branch doesn't give life to the vine. The vine, Jesus, 
gives life to us. The vine Jesus supports us as a disciple. Listen to me. Fruit is produced as we abide in Christ and obey him. This is discipleship. Abide in him. You know, um, uh, recently again, there have been, um, it's, it's happened, it seems like it's fast-tracked the last two or three years, two years mainly during COVID. No news to you, but uh, men, uh, men mainly, of course, the, the profession as a pastor, mainly uh, from men, women can pastor as well. But what, what we've seen recently and more recently is, is men, men falling to all kinds of sin. And um, no one's not susceptible. If you think you can't ever fall, you are deceived. We're all capable of falling. But somehow, some way, there, there has to be some kind of some kind of separation from even what I see these, these daily disciplines that we just do. Where, like David says, cries out to God, search me, oh God, and know if there's any wicked way in me. Just, just I bring my heart to you, Lord God. I want to cleanse my heart before you and give me a word, Lord God. Talk to me that, that, that's going to continue to keep me connected with you. And as you say something in your word, I want to judge my life in light of the word. Not so you'll condemn me, but so that you'll correct me. Correction is what a father does to a child because he loves them so much. Discipline and punishment aren't the same thing. A father, a mother disciplines. Someone who doesn't love you wants to punish you. God doesn't punish. He brings loving discipline. Amen, everybody? So the branch is continually growing. The branch is continually changing. The branch is continually receiving new thoughts and new ideas and new words and then new actions displayed through their life because they are connected to the vine. I believe the world is looking for New Testament disciples. I believe Chula Vista says, is there anybody that really believes this stuff? And come here, I'm looking at a bunch of folks today that do. Come on, somebody say amen, amen, and amen. We're the people. Come on, everybody. We believe the word. We believe the word. We're going to do the word. We're going to live the word, even when it's challenging, even when it's challenging. This is what a disciple does. For us to have a great church, for us to continually be in a great church, we're going to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're going to be committed. That's our worship. We're going to be committed to evangelism, reaching people. We're going to be committed to fellowship and doing life with one another. The, the, the initial sign is that we're going to get baptized. We're one of us. Then, then we're going to take it a little further. We're going to we're get, get our dream team. We're going to go to a small group. We're going to use our influence for other people. We're going to do life together. We're going to go to parties together. Come on, somebody. We're going to go do soccer camps with our friends together. We're just going to, we're going to be committed to fellowship. And then also, we're going to be committed to discipleship. It's just not a fun church. It's a just church that's going to grow and stretch. And we're going to get stronger. And when you get a little bit stronger, when you go to the gym, your legs hurt. Come on. Anybody ever been to the gym on leg day? Come on, somebody. We know you've been to the gym on leg day because you come out walking to church like this. Come on. 
I hadn't been to the gym in a while, so I don't know what that feels like, but come on. God is going to work in you, and God is going to work through you to reach people in Chula Vista. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand today for the word. Thank God for the word. Yeah. Come on, bow your head, close your eyes. Give everyone the right to privacy all over the room. Would you do that? Dear Heavenly Father, it's been good to be in your presence today. We've sensed you. We've sensed it in the worship. We've sensed it in the word. We've sensed it with just a handshake, a smile, a hug from somebody around us, a fist pump. You're, you're not only with us, you're not, you're not only in us, but you're among us. Your presence pervades us personally, but we sense you. We sense you. Not just with emotions or feelings, but it's something deeper in our heart. So, Father, in that place, in our heart, in the really, the deepest part of our being, we pray that you would reside. You'd reside. You'd take your kingship and your lordship because that, that's the place where decisions are made and direction is given and choices are made. So if you're in the room today and you've never fully surrendered your life to God, maybe, maybe you've been to church, maybe, maybe you prayed the rosary, maybe... Man, maybe you you, you got a cross around your neck. That doesn't make you a Christian. But if you're here today saying, I'm ready to make a change, make a change. We want to pray for you and pray with you today. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come to the front. Nothing wrong with that in different churches, do different things. A couple of moments, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand here in the room or online as well.